2: Hello, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thank you for joining me on Psych Up Live. The title of our show today is Never Too Late to Change. And our guest is Tom Matt, an author and radio host who's going to draw upon his own battle with drugs and alcohol to tell us about some powerful personal life changes he started making, has never stopped making, and has passed forward to help other people. Whether you are a young person feeling very stuck, a midlifer in transition, or a baby boomer anxious to start your next chapter, Tom has something that will help you. Tom's four books include Maximize Your Quality of Life, The 200% Solution, Great Fitness, Attracting Abundance, and Believe in Amazing. His radio show, Boomer's Rock, airs on a number of stations in Michigan, and he has won the Excellence in Broadcasting Award six times. Tom is a certified personal trainer, and he's a columnist for the magazine Healthy and Fit. A number of years ago, Tom invited me to be the psychologist every Wednesday evening on his Boomer Rock show. We had a wonderful time, so I am particularly delighted to have him with us today. Tom Matt, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live.
3: Well, that was so nice. Let's let's bring it let's bring it down, Suzanne. Let let's let's bring the energy to the house and let's do it
2: up. Okay, so Tom, here's the question: How does a person go from drugs and alcohol? to a college degree, a master's, and a bodybuilding competition. I mean, how did that happen?
3: Well, let's start off with an easy question, Suzanne. I mean, you know, I don't, it, it's one of those things where uh, thinking about this and thinking about talking to you, and thank you again for inviting me on your show. I'm so happy to have a chance to reconnect with you. You were a, a huge inspiration in making my show better. Uh, it's all about incremental change. It's all about getting up off the couch and doing, and getting that first step. And, and for me personally, in my speaking, I do a lot a lot more live speaking now, Suzanne, and, and I talk about my first 20 years as an adult from 18 to 38 years old. I was on that slippery slope and it was just one of those things where I never got into trouble. I was a single parent. I watched my ex-wife go to prison for methamphetamine use in California. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: I was a a user myself. I was an alcohol abuser. And uh, that went on for a long time. I never got into trouble. I was always functional. I was always going to work and uh, taking care of business and paying child support if I had to do that with my ex-wife and so forth. And you know, just doing the things that you think are doing the right things, but it's really in the long haul, you know, your morals get corrupted slowly but surely, and and you just know that it just, it could be better. And at 38 years old, I was just tired of being, you know, tired and being, not feeling well, and my body started, I started getting achy and not feeling well, and and um, I just knew that my daughter, who at the time was, well, in eighty she would have been about 12 years old, which... You know, it makes me sad to think about all those years that I, uh, she had to see her dad and uh, abusing alcohol. But I was I was really good at hiding, and I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we have to come to come to grips with, Suzanne. We've talked about this, you know, where you have to really become accountable to yourself, and you have to mm-hmm. own it. And that's the first thing is you got to own it, right? I mean, so that was the beginning.
2: So at some point, Tom, you actually stopped denying that there was a problem and stopped believing everything was okay because everything really wasn't okay. Now, was there an actual tipping point? Did you hit rock bottom? How did you make that right-hand turn into recovery?
3: I'll I'll never forget. It's a very good question. Um, My sister-in-law, Amy, my brother's wife, we were up north and northern, in Michigan, you we have what you call going up north. And so people, mm-hmm. you know, they have cottages and stuff like that. And I'll remember the summer before uh, I made the change, she, I was in a typical weekend mode of just, you know, overindulging and kind of in that that space where you think you're fine, but you're not. And I walked into um, the cottage, and she looked at me in a really strange way, and I love her so much. She's so awesome. And she had this look of just sadness. And I knew, I knew then that it was not right. And that was mm-hmm. the beginning right then of my my journey. And so to talk about going, into, going to AA and not fitting in and then finding – you know, somebody like you here in, in Michigan as a psychologist and going into therapy and having to really understand that I needed to come to grips with what was happening. First uh, first thing I had to do was was own it and again just become accountable. And that really was the beginning of my my life's recreation and at thirty eight years old. So I just want to help people understand that you Even if you've had a an issue in your life that has gone on for that long, I've been there myself. Now I've been sober for eight, almost 19 years now, mm-hmm. and it's, it's amazing to me to think back that that was the first step. It's all about the incremental steps, everybody. It's all about making that decision to own it, to stop denying the issues, as you said, Suzanne, and really just own it. And when you become accountable to yourself, when you decide you're going to make those incremental steps and you're going to go for the behavior change, then you can seek out the help. And that's the thing is once you can start to really, really own it, then you can go to people and ask for help because that's a hard thing to do, especially if you're in denial. If you're you're denying that you have a problem, you'll never go and seek for help. So that was the beginning.
2: Now, Tom, one of the things, and you're so right, people talk about pre-contemplation, am I an alcoholic, contemplation, oh my God, I am using drugs too much, to really considering action, and those are some of the, certainly the steps you took. So now, one of the things people say to me that they struggle so much with, and I've thought about you and the bodybuilding, so Tom, once you move drugs and alcohol out of the picture... How did you regulate your anxiety? Because if you're used to picking up a drink when you're anxious, drugging when you're anxious, what did you use instead?
3: I really started to get focused on my fitness. That was the beginning of, um, I, I bought the Body for Life book by Bill Phillips back in, oh gosh, right around that time. And I, I wanted to see all of these success stories of people that you know, had gone through transformation. And because I had always been a, a wannabe athlete, and I always had a little bit of physicality in my life, but because of the, you know, the, the bad calories, the negative calories, the empty calories that you consume when you're an alcohol abuser, you. Um, you need to substitute good food and, and you need to get some good movement in your life. And I, and I want to be clear, everybody, that, you know, when I went into, I went to AA for a few meetings and I just did not fit in. I knew then that I was still lying and that was a really hard time because I felt, out of place. I didn't feel part of the group. I did. I did say at the group, "I am an alcoholic." Hi, I'm Tom. I'm an alcoholic. But it wasn't until I went into therapy that I really understood from my from my therapist, a man who I just I I've written about in my book, the maximized book, Dr. Pat Long, about him helping untangle the tangled web, as he said in my in my mind, and understand why things were happening. But he was the one who really described the difference between problem drinking and alcoholism and once I finally got a got a clue on that, when I got to a professional who was outside of the circle and he could tell me that, you know, I was a binger. I was the kind of guy who could stop and not have any addictive problem with it at all. And that's almost worse than being addicted because when you have an issue like that and you could just stop, you don't think you have a problem. And that's the big that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. the whole problem with problem drinking. So once he explained that to me, I was very clear on, okay, now I've got a handle and I've, I've got a definition of this thing. Now I'm starting to understand. That's the whole thing, Suzanne, as you know, being a psychologist and, you know, as many people as you've helped in your life. You've got to, when you come to grips, you have to, you have to really define the problem. What is happening here? Because once you do that, now you've got a a path to fixing it. Until you define the problem, I mean, denial is the first step. But then you have to understand what the heck is going on, and that's the next step. So, uh, I hope that kind of puts a puts a little glimpse on it. Because from there, I went into, I got more into the physicality and started feeling better. And um, the drinking, I never really, I never had any addictive qualities to, I just knew I didn't want to do it anymore. So I stopped. And once I substituted having a semi obsessive compulsive personality, once I started to find my way, you know, I, I kind of turned myself into a kind of a workout junkie. And mm-hmm. in a way that wasn't that, that that had its own issues in itself. We could talk right. about that down later. Go, right. but you know, it was just it was substituting a bad behavior for a better behavior.
2: Right, right. So you um had a prefer- a better, a little bit of a healthier addiction going. But what you said at the beginning of the show, and I want our listeners to underscore is, remember, it's step by step. So you might take on knitting, working out, baking in a somewhat of a fanatical way. But if it's part of your transition journey, and it's not as destructive as the former behavior You're going to keep taking steps, and you're going to be able to keep evaluating them. And that's really what you did as you moved through this.
3: Absolutely. That's exactly right. You know, the transition, uh, incremental steps, and that's what I coach people on now, being a trainer and a speaker and, you know, the radio stuff. And I still have my full-time job. I mean, it's it's all a process, and life is so good now, everyone. I I have to emphasize that, you know, when you start to – put out that positive energy, you start getting people like Suzanne Phillips to come on a radio show. It's like, this is big. When you get people like, they start believing in your story and they start listening to you and they start helping you, people will come. That law of attraction really does work. When you start to kick all of the dead weight, when you start to prune the tree, as I like to say, the tree of life, and you prune off all that dead wood, new growth will come. And as that happens, you will start to bring better energy into your world. And that really, really, really makes a big difference.
2: So in your journey, I know one of the things that sometimes not only upsets the person trying to change, Tom, but their partner or their family is relapse. And I wondered, along the way, did you ever suffer a relapse? or is it? No, I did that, not. Okay, okay. Well, then let me just take a moment to say... In the process, relapse is expectable. It's what you do about it. It's like anything else. It's not the event. It's how you handle it. And we we encourage people to know, okay, this is part of the problem. What is the lesson learned and let's keep going. Often families so much wanting the change that the relapse makes them despair, and that pulls the person down. So we want to, those incremental steps, some of them are missteps, but I love the fact that you talk about them as incremental steps. So let's talk about um, what were some of the factors that really helped you move forward? Would you say it was people, was it your um, your own intelligence? What were some of the factors that you think people can draw upon to get the momentum going? Let's say they're older people and you do baby boomer and they're feeling like, I'm too old to change. I've been smoking my whole life. So what would we say to that? Well, I
3: would I would absolutely encourage everyone to start a gratitude list and start to really identify and take your time with this. Again, when you ask a question about the relapse, I want to be clear with everyone that, you know, for the first year, I was worried about that a lot. And it and it, it never occurred, but I was really, really worried about it. So when you're thinking about trying to fill that void, you got to become grateful for the things that are in your life. So my daughter at the time, I, I just knew that I wanted to be a better dad and that I could achieve more for her and help her get better, I got back into college. I applied and and, uh, reapplied. I uh, quit drinking July 27th, 1998, and I got into college at Michigan State University in 2000. So as I substituted these small steps, these little things, even though going back to college is not a little thing, but taking a class and finding those little those, those side, you know, the, the, the path of life is always a different, you know, there's all kinds of different roads and bridges that you can go over. School was a big thing for me because it gave me a chance to focus on something and really figure out that I had, I had left that behind many years before and I wanted to finish the degree that I left 20 years before that. And so that was a big That was very helpful to have that. But the gratitude list and understanding that I have a lot of positives in my life, that these people really respect me and they need me. When you start to jot these things down and you start to put them on your refrigerator and you look at them every day, now you all of a sudden, you start to build on the positives. And when you start to build on the positives, it gives you that incentivization to move forward and it's all these little things because i guarantee you everyone out there has something that's positive in their life even if you're at your down at the depth of darkness where i have been You have something positive in your life, I absolutely guarantee. If you're listening to this radio show, this is something positive in your life. So that's the thing. You've got to find the things that you're really grateful for and build on that. Is that a good answer?
2: It's a great answer. And I just came across something that I want to share, and that is if you can't think of a thing lovable about you, and if you can't think at the moment because it feels so dark of something to be grateful for, the very wish to be happy, the very wish to love yourself more in a self-compassionate way, that's a start, and that's big. So you're so right, and I love the idea of the list Because what's visible to us, as well as the school, Tom, what you're saying to our listeners is fill that space. Because addiction takes so much of the space. Fill it with other things. And it can be religion, children, running, bodybuilding, art, helping others. There are a lot of things to fill that space with that can motivate you to keep on going, just as you did.
3: Oh, I agree completely. And I I found more and more, Suzanne, even now, every day, I'm always out there trying to be helpful, being open with uh, younger... I'm working at the university. I'm always trying to connect people. People call me the connector. I'm always (laughs) trying to introduce people giving compliments, doing the little things that really make other people's, because there's so much fear out there now. Everybody's afraid to look everybody in the eye and and Mm -hmm. give someone a compliment and that you might be taken the wrong way. And and it's it's just, it's a conditioning, it's a social conditioning that we have to really help embrace the younger generations, help them embrace helping others. But that's the whole thing about giving back and, and finding that and, you know, Addiction does take space. I'm, you're so spot on. You're absolutely correct.
2: Mm. Well, we're going to take a brief break. I, I want our listeners to know we're going to come back and talk about one of Tom's favorite words and pastimes, transition. And we're going to talk about the many young people he sees, as well as the baby boomers that that he speaks especially to. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Tom Matt, the author of Maximize Your Quality of Life, The 200% Solution, and the radio host of Boomers Rock. Stay with us. We'll be right back
4: Are you trying to discover how to thrive in business and follow your purpose? Tune in to Entrepreneur Enlightenment with host Irina Benedict. You will learn how to combine practical business strategies with spirituality so you can grow your business with ease. If you've been searching for purpose, for freedom, for fulfillment, tune in to get your questions answered. Listen live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: Are you a pet parent? If so, you'll want to stay up to date on the latest tech gadgets and advances for your canine or feline friend. With a ton of apps, websites, tech toys, and more, you'll want to be in the know when it comes to the real treasures and the duds. For that information, listen for Pet Lover Geek with host Lorian Clements. We test and discuss what's hot and what's not on the pet front, so you'll be better informed. Tune in Saturdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live.
2: We're here with Tom Matt. The author of Maximize the Quality of Your Life, and he's the host of Boomer's Rock. And we're talking about changes. Tom shared with us in the first segment his changes from alcohol and drug use to loads of changes. Going back to school, recapturing time with his little daughter, um, all kinds of changes. And part of what he's doing is passing it forward to others who are stuck in places and need a solution and are just so close but need some help with it. So, Tom, let's talk about sometimes we choose or we're motivated as you were. You sort of saw the look in your sister-in-law's eyes and knew if she's that unhappy with the way I look, drinking as much as I do, something's very wrong. And it really got you going. But sometimes I deal with so many people who are forced into transition situations by illness, by a forced retirement, by a divorce they didn't want. So what do we say to these people in terms of how do you move forward? How do you get out of that grief and frozen state?
3: Well, I think the first thing I would do, Suzanne, would be to find a therapist like yourself and really investigate the holistic uh, side of really improving your life because if you're forced into something is you're going to you, 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 who's accountable for what? It's not my fault that I got fired or I lost my job or I can't right. find a job or all these things, I think that finding a therapist to talk about and really get to the bottom of the of the problem and um, just discuss things really is helpful. So I, I really do believe that for me, the year that I spent with Dr. Pat Long and now having the radio show and having... You know, some of my best guests have been therapists. I mean, I feel like, hey, I get, I get therapy every time I have a therapist on my show, and you've done fifty <laughs> over fifty shows with me. I mean, right, it's like right. it's 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 amazing what you can do when you talk to people who can really who really care about you. But you got to care about yourself, and you really the thing is, Suzanne, is insecurities and anxiety. Everyone has them, and understand that you're not alone. That. When I wrote the Maximized book and I held that book in my hands for the very first time, the print version, everyone,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I'll tell you what, I was, I was really, I was like really scared because it was like, oh my gosh, all a lot of my dark secrets are right there and they're in print and now. Everybody's going to know everything I've been hiding all these years. But you know what, everybody, it's liberating it really is liberating, and it's like, oh my gosh, once you've got got through it, you, you just got it out. It's just, oh, it's so amazing the things that can happen, and so it's just a step. It's just another step in the journey, so if you are forced out, I'm really sorry about that. I'm sure there are people out there that counselors and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money there are a lot of really good people out there that can help you find a good counselor and talk to someone and don't use drugs and alcohol to try to self-medicate because that's a that's the i call it the negative energy tornado suzanne you've read that in my book i mean the negative energy tornado is just out there wanting to suck us all down everybody and and it's just it, it doesn't care it's always around us. So we have to put up what I call the positive energy network. And you bring in those good people. And the first good person you find is a good counselor or therapist or a good book. Any of that type. Read, the psych- read your, your website, you know, the, the Psychology Today and all of those, all of those great articles. Read, read, read. All of these things are so inexpensive. You can find really good therapy. If you don't want to go out just yet, you can read and it can really help you.
2: You know, one of the things that you're really touching on, and so many important pieces, Tom, the first is the idea, certainly you hear from Tom, and he's spoken to so many people, and people know it, and I would confirm, you're never alone, other people have been in similar spots, the idea of speaking to someone actually gives you a chance to do what you're entitled to do when there's a change forced on you, which is to grieve. And everybody grieves in their own way, in their own time, but we want it to be healthy. So we want you to be with people and we who are compassionate. And we want you to be compassionate with yourself. Nobody wants to be retired if they're not ready or to end a marriage if they don't want to. So the first thing is grieving. But a military woman once, once asked, what do we do? Do we get over it or do we get on with it? And I always say, you know what, we do both because both happen at the same time. A little bit like Tom's story. As you are grieving for what you did or what you had that was taken, if you're taking steps and moving on, you're going to handle that grieving different. And you are then going to have more power and potential to take more steps so the idea of a talking to people being part of a group helps that grieving and the next thing that Tom said he did and I hadn't thought of it but when he wrote his book he was narrating his healing people journal they do diaries even sharing your story to a compassionate person is a way to heal it's sometimes also a way to get ideas. I think, Tom, one of the things that you continue to do every day is put people together and gather and pass forward ideas and people with each other. And I think that's a way to help us with grieving and moving forward.
3: Absolutely. I I had an instance today where I had befriended a, uh, a, a student at MSU. At the gym. And when you go to the gym at six o'clock in the morning, and I have a small exercise group that I host and, and help coach up and I work out with, when you, when you reach out to people that you see them in there and they're regulars and you, and you just kind of befriend them and you just kind of break that barrier and introduce yourself and not be afraid to make that connection. And then you open your soul up and you say, hey, you know, I'd like to, what are you studying? You know, I'd like to try to get to know you a little better and see if I can help you in some way. And it's, you know, I make a lot of connections with people. And that happened today where I I, I saw the person I wanted to introduce to this other person, a very... Uh, very big-time vice president, one of the vice presidents of our university, who's a very, very good person, and I introduced this student to this. And mm. all of a sudden, the emails are flying back and forth, and they're getting introduced for job and career opportunities. And it's just it warms my heart, and it will warm your heart as well, everyone, because as you, as you get out there and you really make and use your tools that you have in your soul to make those connections – your soul gets stronger. So I learned that from school when I was in, I went just back to college for nine years, from 2000 to 2009, Suzanne. Wow. And it was, it was a long, long haul. But, you know, I look back on it now, and it was like, wow, it went by pretty quickly. When you're, when you're, The only way I made it through there was because my professors at Michigan State University were so compassionate, they were so giving, office hours were wonderful, and they just helped me. I learned from them. That the power of giving and receiving, we're not good enough at receiving. We're not good enough at asking for help. We have to be more receptive to people that are out there. And when you open yourself up and you make yourself receptive by going out and introducing yourself to people, now that they, they, you're breaking down their barriers and you're helping them, in essence, you're making them more receptive. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. And in fact, you're touching on something so important that surprises people every time. You went back to school later, took you nine years, and all the time people will say, how could I go back? I wasn't good in high school. I, wasn't, I don't even like school. And I remind them that who they are now is not who they were back then. And much as you probably found... In the end, when they go, people embrace people in the class of all ages. In fact, I've heard more people say, there's this one lady in the class. I think she's 80. We all love this woman. So, you know, it doesn't matter what age. People are very inspired to see people of every age, just like your your. Um, administered with that young student generations have a uncanny way of helping each other if we actually put them in the same room grandparents and teens have very little problem parents and I teens have... much more problems
3: Well I'm all I'm all about Suzanne you know I'm all about intergenerational help and receptivity right. and love and collaborative work and all of these things and it really bothers me that we have so much media out there that likes to drive a wedge between the generations. You know, we've got the baby boomers and we've got the Gen Y and then we got the Gen X and then we got the Gen Z and I can't get a job and you know student debt and all this. And the thing is is the world has changed and for us to help share some of our say interpersonal skills and some of the work ethic that we have and to to get some of the skills from the younger people as far as their technology skills, there's a, there's a lot of collaborative work that we can do together and it is fun. And and to hear stories about your 80 year old friend who, who was in college is so awesome. I mean, it's just like, yeah, everybody just, just taking a lifelong ed course at the community college can really start the process. But mm-hmm. it's that first step, it's that incremental step to get you in the classroom. And that's, that, that's, And it's the group activity. It's the thing about being there and making yourself vulnerable. I don't think we make ourselves vulnerable enough, Suzanne.
2: Well, it's not such an easy thing. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment and say, so I'm listening and I'm thinking, he's a very high energy person. And he seemed to really know what he wanted. I, perhaps, I'm a very low energy person. Let's say one of our listeners feels, I don't even know where I want to go or what to do. I can barely get away from the TV. I wish I could be one of those people. What's a first step for someone like that, Tom?
1: Well,
3: to understand that, I was very, very afraid when I started back in college. I was so insecure with where I was. I sat in the front row every time. I was, <laughs> I was the oldest guy in all of my classes. And, it was, and I'm talking some of these courses were 400, 500 strong. We're talking a big class. And wow. so I was very very intimidated very scared and it took a couple of years and then on top of that everybody I get the fact that you know what we got to relearn how to how to learn and it's like well how do we do this stuff now the syllabuses are online and you have email back then right. email was just becoming big i mean now at least everybody's been exposed to email and and digitization of, of information and reading online. Back then it was just becoming new and I didn't know anything about it. and I felt very insecure with that. So that was another problem. So I wasn't always so confident. I was very, very, very down in the mouth and very, very upset about things. And it's like taking a 100 level math class after taking 20 years off was mm. so hard. But you know what? I, I just decided I was going to go to the help rooms I was I was going to do my time. I was going to work so hard, and that's the whole thing about practice and continuing to work hard at it. And as you continue to work hard, people will start to respect you, and then you start to respect yourself. And when you mm-hmm. respect yourself, you can get through this because I was very very afraid. So uh, I don't. I could go on and on about this, Suzanne. I don't know how our time is for this segment, but it's like, oh my gosh, school is so it was so vital to get me to where I am now, being a friend of yours for this long time that we've known each other and all of the other people all over the country. I mean, I never thought I would ever do talk radio, and now we're an award-winning show, and you know we're helping people across Michigan and across the country on the Internet. It's just amazing how this kind of stuff works out, isn't it?
2: Yes, and so let's start with one possibility, and that is... So, Tom goes to this math class. He, he doesn't know what he's going to be doing, so he's sitting in the front row hoping for the best. So, what I say to people all the time is, I call it breaking the cellophane. Just sign up and go. If you really can't tolerate it, you will leave. It's just the going. I say to people when they say, well, I don't know where I should live or I don't know what my next step should be. My suggestion is always... Take a step knowing you're an adult. If you don't like it, you don't have to stay. What that usually means is 9 out of 10 people actually do like it. It's the thought that we should have the answer in our head and know whether we're going to love it or hate it or fail or pass without ever putting a foot in the classroom or in the new gym that you want to try out or in the book group or whatever it happens to be. So I would say try it. Just try it with the idea that we have to give ourselves permission not to know exactly what our step is. Just take a step. Well, here, Suzanne,
3: you said something earlier. I want to get—I want to make sure that we t- talk about this because you said something earlier about, you know, remembering what it was like before we were in, in college or in, in school before taking a class. And let me tell you something, everybody: it's a lot different than how you remember it. It's a whole right. different deal going to school as an adult than when you were a young adult. As a as a mature adult, you have a whole different mindset. You have all of this wisdom. You have all of these backstories that are that are back there that can really help. you you with surviving I mean there are going to be a lot worse things that can happen in your life I mean I'm sure you've gone through many different things so going back to school is not how you remember it from when you were in high school 25 years ago it's a totally different deal
2: Mm. Now what that brings us to is, Tom, your idea of refiring, people's idea of rewiring instead of retiring, because whether it's school or training or buying a farm or deciding to do something in your other chapters of your life, if you're 60 and over or whatever, all of those things bring with it. what Tom's suggesting which is reach back into your experience you have more in that backpack than you'll ever imagine you just have to start reaching in
3: well, more in the backpack is a gr- is a great metaphor for where you want to go with the retirement zone. I call it the retirement zone, everybody. When you listen to my radio show, which all you got to do is go to our website, boomersrock.us, there's about 600 podcasts on there. You can get any type. You can find Suzanne Phillips there. You can find all kinds of different shows there. And if you go there... You're going to find something that will that will ignite your life, and I, that's one of my catchphrases: igniting your life and walking through the front door of the refirement zone. And as transition happens, as we get to the point where we're going, and when we later in the show we can talk more about this, because I do a lot of conversations about helping inspire people. Because you know what, inspiration, Suzanne, is intrinsic, and motivation is something that you have in your heart for yourself. So you have to give to people. That that inspire that inspiring nature to bring out the motivation to help people understand that motivation is within yourself and you can do it. So I love talking about transition. I love okay. the opportunities. Oh, it's awesome.
2: Okay, we're going to take a brief break and come back and talk about inspiration and transitions. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Tom Matt, the author of Maximize Your Quality of Life, The 200% Solution, a great blogger, also the radio host of Boomers Rock. Stay with us. We'll be right back. (music)
1: You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Stimulating talk. Gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live.
2: Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Tom Matt of Maximize the Quality of Your Life and radio host of Boomers Rock. And we are talking now, we've been talking about change possible at every stage and every age. Tom has his own terminology for midlifers and seniors, which I'm going to let him tell you about. And then we're going to talk about something that Tom touched on in the last section, which is inspiration and motivation. Tom, tell us about your categories and your redefinitions.
3: Well. Well, you know, we as we as we cruise all over the place with the content that we Suzanne, see everybody, Suzanne and I we've got we go way back. So we've done a lot of this kind of stuff so we're all over the place. And so when you listen to Tom and Suzanne talk, Suzanne and Tom talk, we're all over the place. And this is great and I love it and I want to thank you again for allowing me to come on your air. Now, my terms everybody. I really, I really, really despise, and I don't even like to say that because I'm always like, talk about positive stuff, but I don't like the term midlife. And I thought several years ago, I'm like, I am not going to keep perpetuating this thing because it's like this midlife crisis with this man who's my age, I'm 57 years old, you know, he goes and gets a sports car, he gets a divorce, he gets a young girlfriend, blah, 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 makes all these big mistakes, and, and he looks like a fool, okay, so... I'm like, that's not the way it works. That might have been, you know, in the 1950s. Well, that's that's a few years ago now, okay? I'm talking about middle living, 45 to 75. I want everybody to, to really grab onto that because I went back to school at 40, remember now. So at 45, the kids should be getting a little bit older, You know, if you had children, if you didn't, then you should be at the point in your career where you've got 20, 25 years there, and maybe you're thinking about stuff, so you're starting to shift gears. Okay, so we're going to shift gears, and middle living is 45 to 75, and you're setting yourself up for becoming a superior senior. That's 76 to 100. That's where I want to be, everybody. I want to be the rocking grandpa, and I have two grandchildren now, and it's just wonderful. I want to be that guy who's coaching at 80 years old, at 85 years old, at 90 years old, in the gym, still coaching people up with the energy. And it's just like, that's a superior senior. That's where we want to be. We don't want to be burdens on our children. We don't want to be burdens on society. We want to live our lives. Heck, you put all this time into your life. Don't you want to be a superior senior? You got to do the little things that make things work for you. And so those are my two terms, Suzanne. I hope you like them.
2: I love them. They're great. That's great. Okay, so now whether we are one of these, um, what was our midlife group called, Tom? Middle living. Okay, whether we are middle living folks or already superior seniors or we are teens, how do we use some of this wonderful stuff you've been speaking about? How do we use inspiration? Where do we get it? How do we pass it on?
3: Well, you know what? The thing is, is I I had a leadership expert tell me one time that uh, because I read all these psychology books, and I want to get better at talk radio, and I'm I'm trying to find, I'm a a personal trainer, and I'm trying to say, become the best personal trainer that's out there. And it's like, how do I motivate people? Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: she made it clear to me that, Tom, you're a really inspirational guy, and motivation is intrinsic. And I'm like, oh oh my gosh, she says, you inspire people to become motivated. So that's the thing, everybody. What we want to do is when we get rid of the dead weight, when we prune the tree, like I was talking about earlier, with the negative with the negative and, and self-destructive behaviors of drinking and drugging, which breaks my heart to just even think about all of the issues in our country and let's not run from it, let's accept it, let's, let's understand it, let's work and let's try to get better at it. But once you do that, Go out there and inspire people with your story. Share your story. Be honest about it. Tell I talk about this all the time. And every time I do a public speech, when I get in front of a group, I just had 250 nurses I was talking to just a couple of weeks ago. And I'll tell you, every time I talk about the drugs and the drinking, someone Someone, one person always comes up to me afterwards and says, I'm so thankful that you shared that story. I've been mm-hmm. having this issue, or my son's having this issue, or my father's having this issue, or my husband. I'm having this issue, and I really appreciate that. I've been sober for A year now, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome! I'm so happy for you because the first year is the hardest time. The first year is the that's that mountain that you got to climb. And once you get to the top of that mountain of that first year, you've got a chance. But then there's just going to be on the path another mountain. So you have to understand that it's a journey. It's all about the steps. So inspire others. Look people in the eye. Give them a compliment. Make yourself feel good. Tell somebody that you like their shoes. Tell them that you hey, I love your outfit. Gosh, you look good today. You know, it's just amazing how it doesn't cost a dime to be helpful, to be, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody who's out there inspiring others by just paying a compliment, something very, very simple. We overthink this stuff. We don't need, just let it come. Don't overthink it make it sincere because when it's sincere it really comes from the the gut and you know I've I've been doing all this gut science research and talking about this you know in the ENS and how things happen in the gut and it affect your brain and the behavior and the serotonin and all of the you know all of the all of the, the brain chemicals that are out there that, that neurotransmitters that can really help people understand it you know what by by being happier by sharing your love for life you make yourself a better person. You drive that serotonin and that dopamine and all of the neuro- neurotransmitters that are in your brain. Those things are released. The oxytocin, the love the love hormone comes out. You give somebody a good a, a hug, somebody at work. You leave them a little card. That's how you inspire people. It's all the little things. It's nothing big. They're not going to go buy somebody a car. That's not going to make them happy, maybe for a minute. But you know what? You mm-hmm. leave them a little nice. Love note. I, you know what I did for Sandy today, my wife? I put, I do these what I call ambush notes, Suzanne. I put mm-hmm. little tiny, like three, four-word notes in her lunchbox. I sneak them in there, and she loves it. She saved every one in the, in the almost <laughs> 16 years we've been married. She saved all these notes. She's got hundreds of these little notes. I call ambush notes, everybody. <laughs> ambush notes. It's Take great. that. Write that down. Share it. Love it. Use it. Take it from me and give it to somebody else.
2: See, what you're saying, which is so powerful, I'll just underscore it, is that small is big, and giving is getting. The compliment you pay and the smile that the person radiates back, that's your gift for the day as well as their gift, and so I'm loving the idea of passing it forward and sharing gratitude, sharing compliments. The other thing you said that was so powerful, and I think people do find this in the AA groups, the NA groups, is to be part of a group and to hear someone else speak, even about a very small change, gives you the power of group and really the fact that people heal in community. So in terms of the culture being so difficult, when people do share kindness with each other, no matter who that person is they feel better and usually everybody observing it has a better day so that the whole idea of passing forward kindness is inspiring the kind of thing you did in the gym with the young man and the administrator it's inspiring to anybody who was watching and to those of us who just heard it now I know that uh, I think our, you can certainly hear Tom's enthusiasm. You have to hear his show. Um, so how do we get our listeners? What, what can they do to find your books, find your show, and learn more about what you do, Tom? The,
3: the easiest way, thank you, Suzanne, for asking, the easiest way, everybody, to, uh, to connect with us It's to go to our website. It's very easy. Everything's free. BoomersRock.us. Like us, like family, like collective, as I say on my radio program. BoomersRock.us has it all there. You can go to iTunes and look up BoomersRock. It's all there. Uh, I have, like I said, almost 600 podcasts on the BoomersRock site. The books are there. You can also go to Amazon. Amazon has our books there. And, um, Actually, on this on the website, when you sign up for the website, we have a couple of free books. You can get the um, mm-hmm. Attracting Abundance book is free, and you can get that. And actually, right now, too, on the Boomers Rock site, we have a a seven a seven day course that's free. It's a it's a change your behavior kind of habits for fitness because we did a survey and we asked people, you know, what what are you trying to do in your life? And we're at a point now where. Hey, maybe the New Year's resolution is starting to kind of wane a little bit. Go get that fitness, changing your fitness habit, and uh, that workbook, the work class that we have, that's all free. You can get that there. And so, I mean, it, it's pretty simple. And if you want to get a hold of it, if you want to send me an email, I answer all my emails, tom at boomersrock.us. And I will be happy to help you if you have a suggestion on a guest, if you have a topic you want to talk about, I cover About 10 different categories from finance to fitness to nutrition to you name it, medicine, doctors, a lot of psychologists, a lot of behavioral stuff. I wanted to say something, though, before I forgot that you know you I want to I want to try to in, inspire people to be more accepting of other cultures and other people. I think that we have become too rigid and too segmented of a society and that it hurts us. And I think that the opportunity is now and through adversity grows opportunity. I think now when we have a lot of things happening in our society, I think now is the time where we can be more accepting And if we take the small steps, if we really do embrace helping other people, we can be more accepting of other cultures, of other people, of other creeds, of other races. All of these things, people are awesome. Love other people, and they will love you, and you will love yourself more, and then your life will be better. And I'm telling you, when you don't have to go and have self-medicated, drinking, and drugging like I did for 20 years. I think about that. 20 years. And it took me finally at 38 years old to realize that, you know what? I'm not liking myself that much anymore. I need to figure this out. I need to I need to become accountable to myself. You know, that's the thing. I had to deal with my anxiety, but it's never too late to change.
2: Tom, that's a wonderful take-home message. The kindness to all and The Kindness to Self. I think your show today, I know you, your books, your work, and your message is a gift to many. And I so appreciate you coming on Psych Up Live today. Are we done? Can't we talk for another hour? Well, we can't. You're going to have to come back, Tom. I want to thank you. (laughs) I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this in any prior show as a podcast On my host site, my website, on Tom's site, this show will be. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohost at phillipsgmail.com. And until next week, please take care, mostly thanks, and be listening. (laughs)